You are listening to the Postcast, presented by the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Brandon Piller, joined today by Jack Richardson of Future Sickos Podcast. And this can only be described as a disappointing, disheartening, a lot, a lot of dis words in front of uh, disinspiring. I don't think that's the word uninspiring, <laughs> I think is how it goes. But you get the drift of where I'm going with a 5-1 loss. To the hottest team in the NHL, I mean, there's just simply no debating it. The New Jersey Devils at home in front of a packed barn for a matinee game, which I feel like is a little unusual um, to have that many people at the CTC for a Devils-Sens game, nonetheless, in the afternoon. But, Jack, you told me and you told the good people on Twitter that uh, you're building up some fires here. You're coming in hot, so I'll just pass things over to you. What is your initial general vibe after this game? Yeah, thank, thanks again for having me on. Uh, lo- love coming on here, and, and I'm done. I'm done. I, I think <laughs> he's done. All right, he's we're done. done. Like I'm done. So, so I just it's kind of like a numb feeling for me at this point. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm not getting d- d- disappointed um, after every loss. It's just like I'm fed up with watching what we're seeing, and it's November. We remember we talked a few weeks ago that here come the November blues. I think they were 0 and three at the time. And it's like, you know, they're doing the same thing again. And this time there's no COVID there's no injuries, crazy injuries like Shabbat's out. Yeah. But, uh, and Norris too, but you have the depth now to get past that. And they're, they have two wins in, and it's November 19th in this month. And it's just insane that they keep falling down this rabbit hole. So I don't, I don't know where to start and I don't really know what to kind of pinpoint, but, in front of a full house on home ice, when you've had 10 of your first 15, 17 games or 11 of your first 17 games at home and your record is six, 10 and one is just an absolute brutal start. And I know the 20 game mark is probably where they're trying to make a decision. Um, but you're about to go on a four game road trip. So I, I would imagine if any decision is coming, it would come now uh, to, to me. I just think. Yeah, it seems like when general managers do make those decisions, I feel like sometimes it's when the team is on the road. So that way they're a little protected from uh, the local media and you can kind of get away and try to figure things out before you come back home. But we'll get into that after we break down the game here a little because where do you start? All right. I don't know either, Jack, but we'll do this chronologically. We'll go to the start of this game and... As kind of usual, the Ottawa Senators start off on a bad foot here. The New Jersey Devils, it really seems like they just are able to transition so well is what I find they do so well. The speed they have, it seemed like every time a player touches the puck, they already knew where they were going with the puck before they got it. And the player that's going to receive the puck was already getting in position. Where the Senators, it's kind of like, okay, I got it on my stick. What do I do now? And they end up usually turning it over or making not a quality uh, chance or play there. So the New Jersey Devils get the first goal here. I don't know about you guys, but it seemed like uh, for me this happened. The stream just completely glitched out on me, and a lot of people were tweeting, wow, missed that goal, and I was one of them. So from what I saw from the replay, uh, thanks, shout-out Sportsnet on that one, uh, there's a far shot by Halla. Woods is in front screening. Low shot gets past Borzy like, no chance there because no one's getting uh, Woods out of the way there. So Forzy can't see it. I didn't think Forzy had a good night, but I'm not exactly willing to pin this on him. How about you, Jack? No, not really. I, I think a couple you can nitpick, maybe like rebound control. 
Um, but again, it's one of those problems where every goal against, it feels like it's one mistake followed by another mistake, followed by another mistake. Follow, you know what I mean? Like they all pile up in the span of 10 seconds and then it's in the back of the net. So uh, goalie's last line of defense. So I guess you can blame him. Like he, he didn't have a good night and he's been, yeah. I'd say inconsistent the last little bit. Um, and, and Talbot kind of the same thing, right? Like he had one really good game and then kind of a uninspiring performance. So but the goaltending is probably the least of their issues right now. Definitely. And Mark Mathaw pointed it out in the intermission. Sure, Forzy would like to have those, and you're giving up rebounds, but rarely does he get the opportunity where the defenseman clear that rebound out. Like, normally, he's got to make a second save or is going in the back of the net there. So that's the first goal. Second goal, Broussard loses the draw. Quick shot on net, and Nick Bastion... This guy was a hound dog all game. Like, he was fighting, working to get uh, good opportunities. And he gets the rebound past Forsberg. It's 2 nothing Devils at that point. And the Ottawa Senators, you can tell that they're kind of feeling like, oh, boy, here we go again. And the crowd wasn't feeling it, even though, like I mentioned, it was a packed house as far as the CTC goes. And the crowd just wasn't into it. And then just when you think things can't get any worse, 15 seconds in to the second period, the Devils... They uh, dump the puck in. They do a wraparound attempt. It goes out front. And Hamilton, it hits off his skate and goes in. I Part of me thinks this is just the refs doing the Sens a favor because it didn't seem like an obvious, distinct kicking motion to me. But if the if that goal goes in, then this game gets off the rails even earlier than it did. What do you think on that uh, disallowed goal, Jack? Yeah, I thought it was a blessing, I think. But um, it could have. I could have seen it going other way. I think they it's did make the right one. call. It was weird because, yeah, he didn't like kick it, but I think in order for, you know, the puck was coming straight at him from behind the net. In order for him to have had, you have to kick it to get it to go back the other way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for that momentum. The puck doesn't yeah. just hit your skate and then go back that fast. So he, he yeah. there was a motion. So I, I agreed with the call, but you're right. Like that, that play was an absolute breakdown. Um, and I'm like, I think when I saw that happen, it, 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 I mean, the second period had a lot of momentum shifts um, that we will get into, but. I think when that happened, I was like, they don't have it today. And, and that's a terrible feeling to have with a packed house. Um, and, and, you know, in a first period after first period, sorry, where they, they traded chances a little bit, like yeah, they did. Giroux hit the post and, and he had a really good look. Like it could have been two, two pretty easily. Um, and then they come out with that kind of blunder uh, and got lucky with Hamilton, not having a goal though. And that was a crazy momentum shift because, yeah, you're thinking, okay, Devils scored 15 seconds in. Now the momentum's even farther on their side. Okay, no goal. That's a boost for the Sens. It's 2 nothing instead of 3 nothing. So you would hope that that helps and Forsberg lives to see another day, but barely. Like, <laughs> Hamnick did not have a good game here. Like, he, uh, speaking of which, on that goal, like, he's not even, or was it the third goal here? Maybe I'm getting them mixed up, but Hamnick slips no. and falls. Then the point shot, there's a rebound. Sanderson and Bulkfist are battling. Bulkfist outmuscles him. Like, I don't blame Sanderson there. Like, he was really battling. He just gets beat, and that rebound goes in. But, yeah, I think on the goal that got disallowed, Hamannick was way out of position there, and he ends up getting caught on it. And then a Hamannick mistake leads to an actual goal, 3-0 Devils. Well, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm I'm also mixed up. I think there's one of them where he's breaking up ice because he thinks the pucks yeah. might, might be coming. I think that was the disallowed call. one, I think. But that one, like, we'll get into it a little bit too, but um, that is the coaching problem to me because they're they're playing to cheat. And if yeah, Travis, you don't want Travis Hamannick jumping up in the rush, right? That's not the guy who's, go like, he's. I liked him in the offensive zone. I've liked his game there. 
but why is why is like it in his brain? Is it a coaching thing or is it him being like, oh, I'm gonna jump up in the rush here? You're not Eric Carlson out there, Hamo. Like, <laughs> settle down. Yeah, maybe when you're down two nothing, that's your mindset. Is uh, let's try to cheat aggressively. But but I agree. Like, it was a little bit too aggressive. And then after the three nothing goal, that's it for Forzy. And uh, tough because. It's not a good game for him, but ultimately, I don't think it all falls on him. So it sucks. And and you can tell he's not even, like, pissed. He's just, like, defeated. Like, he just accepts it, skates off, and goes into the locker room for a quick moment. So that sucks for Forzy, that's for sure. And then here's where the Ottawa Senators start getting some momentum near the end of the second period, eh, Jack? Like, they finally, it looks like, okay. And I think it all starts with Cam Talbot makes an amazing save on Bastion, the guy I already referenced. He's all alone, corrals the shot, does a little deke, and Talbot has to dive. And, excuse me, not only does he get the save, but no rebound. That's it. Play over. And we really heard the crowd come alive after that one. And after that big save, Austin Watson destroyed Siegenthaler in the corner there. Like, that's a keep-your-head-up-kid type moment as Waddy just destroys him. So you get a little momentum. And then Brandy sets up Brass in the slot moments later. Brass fans on the shot, let's be honest, but it's good that he fans on it because I think otherwise it's going to be a pad save, but he fans on it, goes in. You're looking at a 3-1 game here, which still you're down two goals to the hottest team in the league, but you felt like the momentum was at least not fully tilted in the devil's side there, eh, Jack? Like, it seemed like there, there was a glimpse of hope, at least. The 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 hope was there. Uh, the Broussard goal was funny because I've seen a lot of people talking about, oh, you know, the Sens haven't gotten bounces. And and I think up to that point, I think that's fair to say. And on their goals, like they weren't getting the offensive bounces. But I think on that play, all the passes were results of like a good bounce going the Sens way. And then Broussard fans on the shot and slips at five hole. Like that was just a perfectly lucky goal. Um, and, and, you know, this they were, they were shut out tonight. Like Van, um, Smead had a shutout essentially just because <laughs> like that, that was like a, a fluky goal, I would say. Um, but man, like the momentum shift was crazy because I think Austin Watson had two huge hits in this game. And that one on yeah. Siegenthaler was awesome. Perfectly clean. Both of them all also. Yeah. So if anyone not, not, we don't have to get into the fourth line and the value and what we bring, but it's kind of fascinating to look at because the devil's fourth line tonight, they play with skill and they're fast. Yeah. And I, I'd say they're pretty hard to play against still. Um, so you can kind of see the differences in, in fourth line philosophy, I guess. Uh, but, but Watson's impact made them have a chance tonight and you i don't think you can argue that he was the reason they had a little bit of momentum you got the crowd into it with that hit yeah i agree and i thought he had a good game last game he even gets a goal as well so he he's at least improved gambrell not not his best game that he's played i thought he played better games earlier the season and then parker kelly he hasn't really made an impact in my opinion so we'll we'll see if some some more fourth line changes end up happening here and yeah, look, I really thought the momentum swing was was going to happen here. So quickly headed over to betonline.ag, tried to sneak a little money line sends bet with some good odds. But once again, the Ottawa Centers disappointed me. But at least I was at a spot where I got the best odds, totals, player performance, props, over-unders, all that kind of stuff. You can find it at betonline.ag, the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On po- Senators podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, that is. So, guys, check it out today, betonline.net. That's where the game starts. All right, so it's 3-1. We're heading into the third period, 
And, or no, 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 no. I'm getting ahead of myself here because <laughs> the momentum, no, I can't believe I almost missed this. This is the key to the game here. The momentum seems like it's going the sense way. And then they get a power play. I think there's like a minute and a half left in the period. So you're saying not only do they have that momentum, they got the man advantage. Let's see if they can ride out this period on a high. And I think we'll, we'll get into the juicy part of this uh, equation here, Jack. And it was so funny on the broadcast when they're like, Gord Miller says, oh, wow, the Ottawa Senators are going with five forwards here. And Mike Johnson's like, yeah, I love this. This is such a good play. Finally, all the forwards, get, they're going to make offense here, blah, blah, blah. And it turns into a shorthanded goal against. Now, first off, what what's your kind of philosophy or what's your opinion on the notion to go with five forwards on a power play? How do you feel about that? I love it. I love it. I don't know. I don't know if there's any... You can look at what happened and be like oh god this is exactly the lot the lot uh, sorry the last thing you want um but i don't know if anyone caught the game against uh the devils played against the leafs on thursday and there's an instance where mitch marner was put on defense in, on, on a right like even strength shift and nico heischer walked them and it was funny because the broadcast kind of had the I same kind of you know flip in 20 seconds being like oh there's the downside of it but on a power play 40 seconds left it to me it's kind of the equivalent of like pulling your goalie in the middle of regulation, you know what I mean? Like just to get a goal, if you have five seconds, they're not going to score probably. Yeah. Um, but this is different. Like you're getting your five best players out there and I don't hate that. And I'm looking at it as what's the difference between having Stutzel on the point than Shabbat. You know what I'm saying? Not to take away from Thomas Shabbat, but I just, I mean like in that instance, it's the same thing and you just have more offense and a better chance. To it, I, I'm not sure what side of the fence I'm on. I think in, in this situation, it makes sense because you're down by two also. So it's not a close game. You make that push and you got momentum on your side. But where I would play devil's advocate on what's the difference between Timmy being there and Shabbat. Shabbat has way, way more experience dealing with a bobbling puck at the blue line. Timmy doesn't have that much experience doing that. And I know it's a bobble puck. It's going to happen. But... Maybe if you're a defenseman, and Mike Johnson mentioned this, you're playing with a little bit more kind of intuition in your head, and you're saying, all right, this puck is bouncing. I'm not going to rely on just getting my stick there. I'm going to try to have my skate ready if it bounces over or whatever. So I think that's one way you could go with it. But ultimately, Jack, that's not the issue I have with Stutz on that play because it's a bouncing puck. Shit happens, right? It happens. But the issue is he doesn't back check after that mistake. He slips and falls, doesn't back check. And who scores? The guy Timmy is supposed to be covering as the defenseman there, who, the guy who joins the rush, uh, Sarah Govich, I believe it is. So that's where I got an issue with Timmy. And ironically, in my game preview video, I said, Timmy's hot. He's got 11 points in the last seven games. And he kind of ends up uh, making the TSN turning point and not the way you would hope. So at this point, this game's over. I mean, it's yeah. it's 4-1 or it's uh, Bulkfist that, or no, 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 it's Sharon Govich, Sharon Govich. It's him that gets the the game winner i would say put the icing on the cake like the devils have an 11 and 0 record when they lead after two periods they're on an 11 game heater there's nothing here so that empty net goal i like pulling the goalie down 4-1 with five minutes left that's just like extra practice time for the six on five like you know they don't have a chance to win here not this ottawa senators team at least so jack it's the postcast so we'll do what we can to try to pick out two cent central standouts as the guest, I will graciously hand it over to you to try to get your first Sense Central. You're only, we're only doing two here. Your only Sense Central standout. Of all this negativity, can you find a bright spot? 
Uh, yeah, and it's not going to be conventional. I'm going to go with the crowd and anyone who okay, kind of stuck around right. like during it. that game. Uh, full house. And look, in a time where attendance was a problem and has been a problem in Ottawa through COVID, the rebuild, like it's it's just not been a good mix for attendance numbers in Ottawa recently. Um, the fact that it was a sold out building at 1 p.m. Yeah. And yeah, it's the best team, probably the best team in the NHL coming into town. But I wouldn't say that the Devils are like, a hot commodity yeah, still. you know what i mean no, like, like mcdavid or someone that, yeah that you're like this yeah must see hockey yeah like if you're really into hockey you're like this team's really fun to watch and stuff but as a casual yeah. fan you're not going to say well i want to see the new jersey devils come to town so the <laughs> fact that it was a sold out house pretty much i think um tonight or this afternoon uh and then they put that stinker of a performance on on the on display and even in the second when those momentum shifts were happening they looked good or the crowd sorry was good like they were into it they they were loud a couple ghost ends go chance. And also at the end, I liked the fire DJ chant. Not necessarily that I'm like on the train being like, let's, let's can them, let's can them. But um, it's cool seeing a, a fan base kind of be vocal in the arena with the people hearing it. You know what I mean? Like n- uh, noise on social media is one thing, but if they're vocal in person, I like it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, I I'm with you. I'm not, uh, I'm not leading the fire DJ chance myself, but the players got to know how disappointing this is for Sens fans. Like, again, you got some injuries. It's a hot team. Whatever. Still, this is an opportunity to try to get a win streak hold here. You just won in Buffalo. Maybe you can play spoiler and knock down the Devils when they're hot. Trap game, right? You got to think maybe this is a trap game. They put Akira Schmid in there. Not saying he's a bad goalie, but he has three games of NHL experience. So, you think maybe you can squeeze one out here, but you just can't. So, hey, and and not to interrupt you there, I think Smith's oh, no, only two career wins are against the Ottawa Senators now. So that, that's are. a nice little nugget for for uh, the rookie goalie. Yeah, it's not great. So the crowd as a Sun Central standout, I like that. The fans, you know, it it sucks, but we're all still here. There's 131 people uh, in here. The chat is absolutely uh, lighting up here. Thank you guys for joining us. I, for my Sun Central standout, hashtag goalie-friendly show, I'm going with Cam Talbot. Like I mentioned, that save up against Bastion, like, I don't know about you, but Jack, I found myself zoning out of this game. I'm scrolling on my phone. I'm just like, oh, it, like not even during commercials either. Like the game is on and I'm just like, eh, I'm not really that interested. And then Talbot makes that save and the arena has life. I'm like, oh my God, that was a hell of a save. He no rebound. Great job. Let's get some momentum here. And he only lets the one goal in on, uh, I'm looking here, 17 shots. 16 saves and 17 shots. Good for a .941 save percentage. Like, Talbot has been pretty good here with Forsberg, like you mentioned, kind of inconsistent. He's been good in my eyes. And he had to come in here and shut the door. He gave the team a chance to try to get back in it. Ultimately, doesn't work out. So, Camp Talbot is my sensational standout. I, I I believe we should give an honorable mention to Derek Broussard. Nice goal. I thought he had a decent game. Won a couple of good face-offs on the power play. And I thought he had some chances. But for the crowd and only one honorable mention to be how... And then the goalie that came in relief in this yeah. game <laughs> to be our sensational standouts. This is not great. So... Your Ottawa Senators lose 5-1 to the New Jersey Devils. And uh, we have to get into this. Whenever it's the irony that a fire DJ chant is happening against the New Jersey Devils, who started the season off 
with a fire Lindy chant in the home opener. That has eventually turned to a sorry Lindy chant. And they're on a love game heater, hottest team in the league. Where are we at with DJ Smith, Jack? I hate that each time we do a postcast, this is kind of the meat of what we're talking about. But where are you at? Well, we spoke last Saturday. Uh, I was I was on it, and we that was when they ended the losing streak. And I said yeah. explicitly, I remember saying they need to start stringing some wins together because they can't, you know, this losing streak put them behind the eight ball. And if you go flip flop between wins and losses, which they have now, they've like I think alternated win and loss for the last four or five games. You can't do that. So they're not a streaky team. They're just a losing streak team and then an inconsistent team, which is... Yeah, they just break up their losing streaks with a win here and there. They're exactly. not a streaking team. Yeah, exactly. Like, And that is a bad hockey team. That's not the way to play ho- like in sports. Yeah. That's how it doesn't how, uh, it doesn't work like that. So I, I really like DJ and I've been a big, big fan of his communication, his... Um, I think I swear we went through this like a week ago too, but I like, I like him uh, as a coach and I don't agree with the people who say that it'll be his last um, NHL coaching job. I think he'll get another chance somewhere else down the line. He's young. I think he's like 46. So I just, I think that you get to a point where you reach your peak with a, with a group. And I think he's done his job. He's, he's coached these guys to become professionals um, and done it like a good job of it, I think. But there comes a point, and I think we've reached that point. We probably reached it a week ago, to be honest, where they just got to move on. And yeah. and I'm not talking about this season, but you can see on these players' faces the the losing culture is taking a toll. And I'm looking at a guy like Brady Kachuk who plays with his heart on his sleeve. He he's yeah. the kind of captain you want. Uh, even Claude Giroux, a guy yeah. who competes all the time, has had lots of coaches in his career, um, and and they're just dejected. And it's November. Uh, which is a problem. So I, I think, and and it's not, it's not even about a leash, right? Because he has had a long leash, but yep. I don't think it's fair to judge the last few seasons because the team wasn't good. And uh, Pierre Dorian actually said that he said, uh, you know, this is the first time we've given DJ a team, yep. uh, a real team to, to coach. And it's fair, but he's failing right now yep. with the first time he's had a team. So that should tell you everything I think you need to know. Um, and I just think it's time to move on and I don't like saying it. I don't cheer for someone to lose their job. I'm not, uh, and I know that everyone else who's saying fire DJ isn't doing that, but that's what this job is. It's a public job. And if you fail, you get scrutinized and that's what's happening. Yep. And it's a results driven business. And look, I, I want to kind of rephrase it as I'm not so much on the fire DJ train as let go of DJ train because this is the thing. Like, do I feel like Dorian needs to kick down DJ's door and be like, you're fired like Donald Trump style, like fired, get out of here, like pack your shit. Uh, security's coming in. Like, no, I just think it's like, look, we, we had a good relationship. Like you mentioned, you did a good job with these young kids through losing weird COVID seasons. You kept them motivated. You kept them working hard. I would say it's fair to say that DJ developed some of these players. Look at Brady. Look at Timmy. They've come a long way since they started. But it's not working. It's not working. And when it's not working, you need to make changes. And here's the thing, too. Do I think letting go of DJ will improve this team? Not necessarily, because who's going to come in and join them? Ironically, we had our boy at Leams Martian take a paparazzi video of Claude Julien walking into the CTC. So he he was he was there, which is random. 
just just going to put that out there. And Williams Martian is the king of the streets. So take that with a grain of salt. But I just think you need some change here just so that the players can feel the accountability. Be like, man, we like DJ. Like you mentioned, Jack, I like DJ too. He was on the show. He was awesome. I want to get more chances to talk to him. He's a fun dude. He's got good hockey stories. He seems like a guy that knows how to motivate players. But is he, do I think they need to hold on to him through this tough stretch? Because when they get out of this, he's going to lead them to playoff success. No, I don't. And that's kind of how I've always felt about DJ is he was the right guy at the right time. But this is now an entirely different core too. Well, I, I shouldn't say that, but the group is different. You bring in Giroux, you bring in Debrinket, you bring in Pinto Sanderson. Like this is a very different uh, ecosystem than it was when DJ was has been here this whole time where it's just kind of Brady, uh, Thomas Shabbat, and a bunch of plug-and-play guys, right? So yeah. I, I think pretty soon here a change is going to come like i mentioned i feel like general managers take a look at long road trips and be like all right we've got some distance from fans media etc maybe now's the time we make a choice i'm not sure but what are we what are we going to do like i know people get on me being like wow pilsy's way too patient with dj etc etc and maybe i have been but at this point i i got i'm running out of excuses guys like i i've tried i've done my best but you guys caught me. Like, I, I got nothing left right now. And I don't cheer for anyone to lose their jobs, especially in today's world. But I, yeah. I, I have no more kind of support for how things are going. Because I've liked some of DJ's decisions. Like, the 5 forward thing, I like it in that situation. But when he's kind of, uh, like, pushed his chips all in, it's failed every time. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Like you can like the process and I like the process. I like the process, but the result is bad, bad, bad. And we can only be a losing franchise for so long here. It's, it's yeah. I, I don't know how, like what to say about, I just think it's reached the boiling point and yeah. yep. he's, he's, he's going to be a guy. I think that a player like Stutzel and, and Sanderson are going to look back on in 20 years and be like, I'm thankful I had that coach. And I, I really, I really believe that. And obviously, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about it on our pregame shows because it's a different vibe of the pregame versus the postgame, right? Cause you, you have this kind of false optimism maybe about what the team's going to do, but we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the fine line between accountability and communication. And I think, I think that's a really fascinating thing that we'll never really know probably about DJ Smith as a coach because he he has preached and I think the players have spoken about it, how, you know, open he is about communication, not just about hockey things. Like he's just a good person to talk to, like you mentioned when you guys had yep. him on the show. So I think that's important. And I've, I've had coaches where, you know, they're really good at talking you off the ice, but they're also hard and make you accountable. Like the highest level I've ever played was, was midget triple a. And it was uh, eye opening because it was, it was very intense and all it's that a whole new world. eh? It's crazy. And, but what, what made our team successful that year was, you know, we were accountable and, and we're obviously, it's, I'm not comparing you to an NHL team, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's how it has to work. And I, I really do wonder if through this rebuild process, DJ has kind of not lost, but just not gained a level of respect to the point where players feel like they need to be accountable. And I, and just before, like, I, I want to mention like a guy like Eric Brandstrom. Okay. Yep. He, he makes mistakes. And he, they sometimes end up in the back of the net, sometimes glaring, sometimes not. He's a really good defenseman, uh, a really good player. But we sit here and harp that young players should play, young players should play. Tonight, I don't think, or this afternoon, he wasn't that good. And he made a couple mistakes. And lately, he's been making mistakes too. 
and even a guy like JBD has has a bad shift. Like, I I want to know, and we, we won't know, which is frustrating. I want to know when they get back to the bench, what's the message? Is it uh, even you know, a guy like Stutzel after that play? He's one of your best players. Are you going to sit him down because he's young? Are you going to like how? Do, I don't know how they do all that, but it's not working. Whatever it is, so to me, that's the biggest issue, um, and that's up to Pierre Dorian to figure out, which is which is another frustrating reality, I think. Yeah, first off, credit to you. We're 29 minutes in and you only did one tonight today uh, switch up. So good improvement over uh, over last time. That was I'm getting your used mind. to these. Mat- the matinees are hitting now. I'm getting used to them. Yeah, that was putting your mind in a pretzel the first time. So uh, <laughs> great job there. Um, but yeah, I- I'm kind of with you. Like, that's the thing. Like, and with these young guys, especially uh, guys that DJ Smith has been their only NHL head coach, like you can buy into a message. And you can be like, yeah, I'm going to run through a wall for this coach. When doing that brings success, when you're busting your ass and you're working hard and you're buying into the message and you keep losing, that becomes more difficult to buy in day after day and day after day. So I just think with the results and how things are going, it's not looking good for DJ. I don't think the act, the like, like I mentioned, the the road trip might change things because that's an advantageous time to do it. But I don't think the axe is coming down hard or swift just quite yet, just based on what Dorian said. So I, I'm gonna hold Dorian to his word there, even though usually the GM, the double doubling down is the kiss of death. But I, I don't, I don't really know where to go here. But the thing is, we can't get much worse. Well, yeah, I mean. I, I thought that and then it got worse today, yeah, but I, you know, um, the California road trip can be galvanizing or it can sink you. And I think, uh, I'm thinking of two times, um, in Sens history, recent Sens history. So hamburger, hamburger, excuse me, that run, the California trips when they turned it around. And then, uh, three years later, the California trip to me was when that Duchesne era started. Yeah. And then the California trip, I remember watching, I think it was in LA, they lost in overtime and I was like, they're done. And I, I distinctly remember that feeling and it's crazy. We're coming back to it now. And I really do feel like this trip is going to define DJ Smith's career, um, in Ottawa. So I kind of wanted to ask you about personnel versus coaching because tonight, like the players did not have it. Or I just did it again. I did the tonight, ah. uh, but the players didn't have it today. Uh, and, and that's a problem for me. And I want to kind of read a quote. So Brady Kachuk said after the game, this is, this is what uh, he told the reporters. So Ian Mendez tweets out Brady Kachuk went out of his way to say the players need to shoulder the blame in Ottawa. And then the quote, it's a Saturday afternoon and close to a sellout. It's on us for not getting ready. It's on me for not helping to get the group ready. So I'll take the responsibility for that one. Continued. He's Kachuk. Uh, then adds he's sick and tired of the negativity being tossed at DJ Smith on social media. And then the quote, there's nobody to blame, but ourselves as players, it's my job to get everybody ready. It's not one person. It's a group in here that needs to figure it out. A little bit of cheesiness, I think a little bit of cliche, but also I want to watch the video. Uh, I think those are better than the quotes, but that's the captain standing up and he's right. The players were not good. And I think a lot of this stretch this season has been, a mix of coaching decisions and personnel being not on their a game like Stutzel today on the power play, the five, four was, that was probably the, that was the right play to do. And the defensive lapses from the top guys are a problem that I think we're going to see highlighted. Even if, even if there's a new coach like Drake Batherson to me has had a brutal season other than points. And I, I don't like, it's frustrating because those are the guys you're committing all this money and term to, 
So it, it, yeah, you can change the coach, but what if you change the coach and then they go zero and ten again because they can't keep the puck out of their net? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like you mentioned, Drake Batherson. Like we often reference on our show, he has similar qualities to Mark Stone in being such a good player offensively, but also deceptively good defensively as well. We haven't really seen that part of Batherson this season. Like sure, he's putting up points, like you mentioned, but. Have we seen him do a stellar job of, you know, shutting down other teams' top lines or top six lines? Not not exactly, which is a big part of his game, you hope. So that's tough there. I, I think I, I'm interested. I hope they speak to Claude Drew after this game because, like, Claude's got to have some very interesting thoughts going on. Leaving Philly being like, oh, I'm leaving this rebuilding team. I'm going to a team that's on the up and up and look how things are going. And you can see it on his face. He's frustrated. So. And he's going to be a guy that's going to be a big reason if this culture of uh, young leadership uh, guys like Brady, like um, Thomas Shabbat, if they can figure out a way to turn this around. So this California road trip is going to be very interesting to say the least. Jack, unless you got anything else to add in here, I think we've done a good job breaking this game down, going over the DJ Smith stuff. And just... We, we got to hope that there's at least a spark in this road trip. Like Mark Mathot told us that when he was on the team, they would do these road trips. Sometimes you get the warm weather, you get, you go to fun places like LA, you get the team out bonding. Maybe that jacks things up a little, maybe something changes here, but I'm not confident. Let's just say that. Yeah. Not to douse those flames or that, that, that idea, but they just went to Florida and they were, yeah, you know, not that they needed to turn it around there because they were kind of okay at the time, but um but this is like an extended road trip where you're like, okay, yeah, we're true, on the true. road, boys. Like it's not like a quick uh, Eastern one. So may, I don't, I don't know. Maybe yeah, no, I, I no, I agree, I agree. Yeah. And but my thing is, is they're not going to fire a mid trip because I don't think that ever happens in the NHL. Uh, so it's either tonight or before they go because I think they're flying out tonight. They mentioned on the broadcast, so they're flying out tonight. The boys will they're probably, probably going to try to get out early. There's a big storm already on its way and still coming. So oh, that's that makes sense too. Yeah. So they'll, yeah. They'll, I mean, they're going to be landing at like. I don't know, dinner time in California. And they're, I don't, I, I'm probably butchering the time zone switch there, but you yeah, know what I mean? Time they're, zone experts on this show, Jack, don't worry. Okay, good. And then they're going to have a day and a night off essentially. So maybe they'll galvanize as a group, but I just don't, I don't see how you can um, go another four games of this. And, and I, I, I like that they're preaching patience, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's too much a little bit. Yeah, you can only do that for so long before patience runs thin. Okay, Jack, I'll leave you with this. Four-game road trip. They go to the Sharks. They go to Vegas. They go to Anaheim. They go to LA. What record are you predicting happens here? Not what you want or need to happen. What's your prediction? I think they're going to go one, two, and one. Yeah, that's I think, fair. I think, you know, I think the Vegas one is going to be a tough one. They should yeah. win against San Jose and Anaheim, especially Anaheim. Um, and LA and might LA be is hot. Yeah, yeah, LA's hot right now, but um, that could be a good measuring stick game. But it's the, that's the last one, right? The Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I think one, two, and one is probably a realistic expectation. Maybe they go four and zero, oh, and we're sitting here having a good, uh, good talk. I don't know. I don't know. But I think one, two, and one is my my bet. What about you? You heard it here first, Jack Richardson. Maybe they go four and zero oh on the California <laughs> road trip. We'll put that as the title of the postcast, Jack, yeah, for some hope for the people. Yeah. Maybe they <laughs> go four and zero. Oh, who knows? <laughs> no, just kidding. I wouldn't sue you with the quotes there. All right. Well, 
That's it for today's episode of the Postcast. We're not going to do an After Dark. This almost was an After Dark. I mean, we're at 37 minutes here, and we chopped it up in the second half here. So hope you guys enjoyed us. Misery loves company. There's over 100 people here. Thanks for joining in. As always, the Postcast. We try to make it a little better to be a Sens fan. Sure, we're all, we're all a little sad about how this game went, but we're trying to chalk it up. And uh, to, to quote our old podcast name, we're trying to make sense of the Sens, and it's difficult every single day. But for myself, Brandon Piller, for Jack Richardson, thank you for listening to the Postcast. It's the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.